Hello and welcome to ConstructorCast, your AGC place for all the news, views, and interviews relevant to your construction business. I'm your host, Leah Pocones. With me today is my colleague, Jimmy Christensen, who's Vice President of Government Relations for AGC of America. And Jimmy's gonna give us a special report on the federal government's proposed $1.5 trillion infrastructure investment bill. Welcome back to ConstructorCast, Jimmy. Thank you for having me, Leah. Great Thanks for being here with us. Of course. To set the stage here, Jimmy, I want to just kind of lay out what we know right now. We know that our country is in desperate need of significant infrastructure investments to our roads and bridges, public transport, airports, schools, hospitals, and more. And we also know that states and local governments desperately need money. And the third thing we know that we're going to talk about here this morning is that this kind of investment could help bring the economy back to life. Let's walk through this. Jimmy, my first question for you. Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives have put to paper a $1.5 trillion infrastructure spending package. Can you explain to us what exactly would this accomplish? Kind of tell us what's in there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a big number. We've heard these numbers thrown out there before, but we haven't necessarily seen where the dollars all added up to the final uh, 1.5 trillion or 2 trillion or whatever trillion that was thrown out there. Um, today, I can tell you that we have a legislative language for the first time in uh, well over four years of talking about a uh, grand infrastructure bill um, that actually provides uh, this funding. You have nearly $500 billion for surface transportation, roads, bridges, construction, as well as $22 billion for airports, runways, terminals, as you've got schools, K through 12, $130 billion, uh, public and affordable housing uh, of $100 billion for funding programs through the Department of uh, Housing and Urban Development. Obviously, healthcare uh, in, in this, these times necessary for building new hospitals and clinics, $30 billion there. Uh, clean energy, $70 billion for things like solar and wind farms, which we know many AGC members build as well. Water resources, infrastructure, locks, dams, levees, $10 billion. Clean drinking water uh, and wastewater, we've got over nearly $70 billion there. Broadband, uh, which we're talking over probably right now, $80 billion for that. Um, and then a whole host of uh, other things sprinkled about. Uh, all in the form of either direct federal funding, tax incentives, or bonding programs. So there is a lot to this bill, uh, but for, like I said, for the first time ever, we're actually seeing, as you said, pen to paper and a vote impending in the House before July 4th. Very broad and covering infrastructure in its broadest sense, which, yes, awesome to see. And I imagine this is quite long. How many pages? How long did it take you to read through it? So it's uh, 2,309 pages long. 
Uh, it took a team of about six people uh, a few days to read through. We've uh, put together an anal a brief analysis that doesn't cover everything, but you know, the money is and the investment at this time is what we consider and know is at the top of many AGC members' minds, as it is ours, as, of course. Um, there are provisions in here that we, we don't necessarily like on the policy side, where it might make it more difficult to get some sort of materials that are sourced not domestically. You have issues perhaps with various uh, labor requirements or apprenticeship requirements, possibly getting thrown in on the House floor as an amendment. There are certain things that we're sure will come up as traditional policy fights that we don't like that could get attached to this if it doesn't already exist in there. But the reality is this is the first step in the legislative process. And when you're starting with a $1.5 trillion offer, you know when you have a, a more conservative Senate body that you can kind of tweak some of those um, business, less business friendly provisions, but also you might then lose some funding. But when you're talking about 1.5 trillion, you set the, the ceiling pretty high, you set the first number pretty high. So it's, again, it's part of the negotiation process. Right, and AGC is definitely applauding this first step. Absolutely, you know, we, we're, we're happy to see that there's, that we have this. We're happy to, to know that it's very likely to pass the House. And we know that the Senate is very likely to consider their next COVID relief package a week or two after uh, the July 4th recess. You know, there's one thing that both parties want before they go to their national campaigns to, to nominate their presidential nominee, and that's a victory. So we hope that they can get one in uh, a, a huge infrastructure package that keeps America working. Your incredible team weeded through this 2000 plus page uh, package, proposed package. And I know you put together uh, kind of a cheat sheet and at a glance sheet. We're going to link to that in the show notes so folks can click and, and read a summary. Has there been any agreement on the best way to fund this sort of infrastructure package? Well, that's always been the issue. It's great when we talk about this, this number, how do you pay for it? Uh, well, in these times, I'll tell you how you pay for everything. You put it on the credit card. There's really been nothing that's been paid for through any sort of uh, tax increase, fee increase, or fee creation, uh, and that's not the case here either. Uh, you know, we are a few months away, as I mentioned, from a uh, election. Uh, politicians are usually, uh, even in a non-election year, not necessarily excited about raising taxes or fees on their uh, electorate, and we don't see that happening here. The thing for AGC members at this time, when they're looking at down at the end of a barrel of their project backlogs, either uh, in a few months here in 2020 or sometime early in 2021, uh, I think they'll sleep better at night knowing that there's funding for the work they, they do coming down the pipeline. At this point, they don't care. And I, I don't think they'll necessarily care as long as they can keep their doors open and their, people's employed, and their people employed. Jimmy, we've seen so many reports in the news that cities are just strapped for cash. And I think that everyone would agree that a bipartisan deal is really needed probably now more than ever. 
just to keep infrastructure spending going at the state and municipal level. Can can you talk to me more about this and, and what's going on uh, at the state and local level? Sure, I'll scare you with some uh, with some real statistics here. We have um, groups like the uh, Association for State Budget uh, directors saying that during the Great Recession, um, most states average uh, cuts in their uh, revenues somewhere along the lines of 11.6%. Well, now they're projecting uh, many states will face uh, income flows dropping by as much as or more as than 20%. So probably double the amount of the Great Recession, and we know what happened to construction then. Um, so knowing that that's possible is another reason why we want to have a backstop and a backfill for things like construction projects, because the first thing that comes on the chopping block of any uh, public owner is the construction project that you haven't built, because you've got a situation right now that's uh, been comparable to the Great Depression. Um, you have hundreds of thousands and millions of people filing for unemployment, so you're, you're not going to cut. Many states are reluctant to cut anything when it comes to uh, social safety net programs, and you've got a pandemic, uh, so you don't want to cut anything related to public health, and you also have issues with protests and civil unrest, so you don't want to cut any uh, other first responders um, necessarily. So, you know, we've got a lot of situations here and a lot of funding needs. So having money that's dedicated for construction projects would be really nice to allow a lot of our members to sleep at night. Um, and you got to also keep in mind that um, when hotels shut down, restaurants shut down, uh, retailers shut down for months, uh, a lot of them have not reopened. And those are also a lot of important constr private construction markets. So you have a lot of builders that need somewhere to go to build in the future too. And if the, those markets aren't there, they need a market to retreat to. And when you're talking about things like schools, uh, like, like um, hospitals, um, this is, and affordable housing, these are projects that these, these contractors can do. Uh, and will need to do in the absence of a robust private construction market. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, and to bring this even closer to home to our construction member firms, AGC has been releasing its own data on project delays and project shutdowns. Can you share with our listeners what AGC and what you have been hearing from members firsthand? And how, are they really counting on this, uh, this sort of federal help uh, to increase demand for construction and to help them keep their workers employed and to keep uh, keep things going? I think the answer is certainty in a sea of uncertainty is more than welcome. And to be able to provide some degree of certainty through a, a provision like this to our industry would be uh, a huge uh, victory. Uh, and and help a lot of people, both that uh, uh, run construction business and work for construction businesses, sleep better at night. You know, from our own data, we have and surveys, we have found that two thirds of 
construction companies have had at least one uh, construction project canceled uh, since this pandemic started in March. The number of pro of contractors who had work scheduled to begin in June, uh, that number every week or two when we took those surveys kept on going up and up and up and up. Uh, and we suspect that with more spikes in uh, uh, the coronavirus uh, influencing what states are doing when it comes to their uh, opening up their economies or not, might only set back further uh, construction projects that, that are slated to begin later in the year. I mean, state and local governments need this, the public, we, we want better infrastructure. Our member firms were advocating for this. Uh, we know President Trump wants this. Where is there likely to be the most pushback? So the most pushback at this point is going to come from the United States Senate. We have seen that it's been a wait and see. Obviously, we've spent $3 trillion or so, $2.5 to $3 trillion through four different packages so far uh, since March. They've been taking a more cautious approach, which you understand when you're throwing around big numbers like that and the, the added addition to our uh, national debt. However, the fiscal conservatives are, are concerned as to what additional funding spending could do to the national debt, to other resources, and uh, as well as other programs that the federal government needs to fund and operate. As we've seen, um, the president's poll numbers kind of sag, his challengers numbers rise. I think you'll find more uh, Senate Republicans coming to the uh interests of supporting a, a package for infrastructure, the difference between what we saw in the previous packages, I would say, is relief in the form of keeping businesses simply afloat without necessarily uh, providing long-term benefits to the country. Um, when you have things like, obviously, unemployment is good, you, you, but it's the difference between feeding a man for the for a day and teaching a man how to feed himself. Um, it's one of those things where um, infrastructure investment isn't just keeping people and growing the economy in a short time period, it's over the long term. The benefits of a transportation infrastructure project of a school are realized over many decades and long after this pandemic is over, people will still, the public will still be receiving the benefits of those funds as opposed to probably several trillion that have been spent uh, to date uh, on many other things. So when you're talking about just keeping the lights on for, for many other forms of uh, various needs. And that's such an important message. How is AGC getting that message out? Tell me about uh, all of AGC's advocacy efforts and uh, tell us how folks can get involved. How can anyone listening uh, get involved and help support this? Well, the first place you can go is advocacy.agc.org and go to the latest uh, action alert where you can contact in under 60 seconds your two senators, your uh, representative and President Trump and call for them to support uh, a robust infrastructure package like the one we're, we've been talking about and, and that one. Uh, so I can tell you yesterday we sent uh, the alert out to all AGC members 
uh, among the 88 chapters throughout the country. Uh, and within several hours, we have had 10,000, over 10,000 messages sent uh, to, to those uh, federally elected officials. So, you know, there's a lot of momentum. We, we need to keep it going, keep the pressure on, because the reality is, um, while we have seen the pushback from the Senate, uh, you know, it's, it's not over till it's over. And the, the continued forward momentum and pressure uh, that can build will really make a difference. And we've seen that happen time and time again. We look at back just in the last few months is what's happened to the PPP program and the loans there and the changes and the fixes that we've had uh, after members have contacted their members of Congress, either through our action alerts or even just sent us a company letterhead uh, letter uh, and to share with their members of Congress directly to say, you know, I want to be out here um, telling you that this is really impacting me. I'm going to put together and let you know how many employees I have and how, and how my business is being directly impacted, not just through a pre-written message. Um, that obviously takes a little bit longer, but we welcome those as well. So that's an amazing response. And that's incredible that you're providing people with a real easy and, and direct way to, to share their voice and, and to communicate their message. I would also have to add that we've got uh, coming up next week the contractor's voice directly being uh, heard by by Congress. I guess this is what you're going to. I preempted you, Leah. Yep, I was going to um, ask you about this. Go ahead. We have AGC's President Bob Lanham, President of uh, Williams Brothers Construction out of Houston, Texas, testifying in person to the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee. Uh, on uh, the uh, on infrastructure investment and the need for continued uh, reforms as well as far as uh, things that are near and dear to your heart like environmental streamlining uh, and making uh, infrastructure resilient uh, you know so we're going to be in the in the hot seat with Bob but he's going to provide some some real life, uh, experience that he's had over the last three months to really hit home what AGC members are feeling uh, and seeing. So, you know, there's no more effective advocate than a contractor uh, talking directly to their members of Congress, uh, whether it's in person, through emails, or, or the written word uh, through a, just a regular letter. Um, that's the most powerful messages that we can uh, help send. Absolutely. Great. Well, anything else you want to add, Jimmy? Over the last several months, I've just been so impressed by how many members have engaged with us. I'm sure you feel the same way, Leah. Um, I can tell you through our various action alerts, we've sent now, uh, members have sent close to 150,000 messages to uh, Congress and the president. Uh, that would take in a normal year, not just in a few months, uh, you know, that would take a decade uh, based on what we were, were seeing. Uh, so the AGC membership has really stepped up and engaged, uh, seeing that this is such an incredible time and it really helps the staff uh, continue to press day in and day out uh, to fight for, for their interests, knowing that they have our backs too. 
Great. Well, thank you, Jimmy. Thanks so much for your time and for sharing all of this information, your insight and your expertise in this area. And we invite everybody who's listening to get involved, uh, get engaged, check out our website. Can you repeat that website again, Jimmy? Absolutely. That's advocacy.agc.org. Okay, awesome. And we're going to put that in the show notes along with the summary um, of, the, of the legislative package you just talked about. So thank you everybody for listening today. This has been the AGC Constructor Cast. Please subscribe to Constructor Cast from your podcast app or stream all available episodes right from your computer at agc.org slash constructorcast.